Welcome back to the Maroon Weekly. As always, I'm Isaac. I'm Ron. And I'm Ruth. We have a lot of interesting stories about the University of Chicago today, so we will just jump right into it. Ram, you've got a story about something, right? Yeah, I've got a story about all the changes that uh, are occurring to the university quarter system uh, starting autumn 2021. So Provost Kai Lee, as many of you probably know, introduced many changes to the quarter system that will take effect starting in autumn 2021, following a review by the Committee to Review the Academic Calendar. And these key key changes recommended by the report are to conclude all coursework and exams by June 1st, institute a week-long break for Thanksgiving, reduce each quarter's instructional period from nine and a half weeks to nine weeks, establish a three-day reading period starting from Saturday of the final instructional week through Monday of exam week, administer exams Tuesday through Friday of exam week, and to introduce a three-week September term with limited on-campus course offerings. So are there any new details about the September term? Yeah, so the September term will be three weeks long and start after Labor Day. Students start taking classes during this time and would get credit for the autumn quarter and will also receive financial aid. The committee report indicates that it is possible for courses for language, technical, and artistic skills to be offered during this period. And instruction compensation for teaching will be examined separately by the college. What opinion does the provost have on these changes? So Provost Lee is obviously in favor of the changes, arguing that, quote, such benefits include increased increased flexibility for students to schedule coursework, a better coordinated conclusion to the spring term across all units of the university, and better alignment of the calendar with a range of summer opportunities, including research internships and summer study. But I'm interested to to know what your guys' opinions on it are. Well, they say it's a three-day reading period. I don't think that's true. I believe it's actually a one-day reading period because, as the way the system is structured now, we have Thursday and Friday off as reading period, so two days, and then Saturday and Sunday. They're advertising it as a three-day reading period, including both Saturday and Sunday, and then the ensuing Monday. And so, in my opinion, three days is less than four, and so it's actually not helpful and misbranded. But that's just me. Well, I'm a fourth year, so I will be gone by the time these changes are implemented, but I I have mixed feelings. I feel like making the quarters shorter will probably be stressful for packing in all of the content people need to learn in courses, but on the other hand, I am in favor of the possibility of a two-week spring break, which I think was mentioned in the plan, uh, and I also think that there are benefits to being able to end the school year on June 1st. So, I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, Isaac and I will only uh, receive the benefits and or consequences of this this plan, or both, depending on how you look at it, our senior year. But that does mean that we get to graduate early. We do get to graduate earlier. It would also be pretty cool to get your art core out of the way in September. Mm. That'd be pretty nice. But there's good and bad. Anyways, Ruth, you have a story about... Police? Not quite. (laughs) What is it about? (laughs) I have a story about the UChicago Crime Lab and the Uh. Chicago Sports Alliance cooperation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This was in an article reported by Nick Tarr, who 
reports that the Chicago Crime Lab has been collaborating with the Chicago Sports Alliance, a group of local professional sports teams dedicated to reducing gun violence in, in Chicago's South Side for nearly three years. Founded in 2017, the Alliance has given millions of dollars to support local gun violence reduction initiatives. It has five members, including the Chicago Bears, the Blackhawks, the Bulls, the Cubs, and the White Sox. Kim Smith, an associate director of criminal justice initiatives at the Crime Lab, said in an interview with the Maroon that cooperation like this on a citywide scale is uncommon in the sports world. The five sports teams reached out to the Crime Lab in 2016 following significant increases of homicides and non-fatal shootings from 2015 to 2016 in Chicago. The Crime Lab has been collecting data on crime and violence in Chicago and making recommendations to civic engagement groups since 2008. Since 2016, the Crime Lab has been working directly with the Alliance, both presenting data and making recommendations for initiatives to reduce gun violence. Smith explained that the lab helped the five teams think about promising strategies and programs currently being implemented, and how their dollars might be able to accelerate and support these programs. The Crime Lab recommended the teams donate to local initiatives like Choose to Change, which is dedicated to reducing youth violence through education, the Dovetail Project, which provides young fathers with resources for their children, and My Block, My Hood, My City, or M3, a youth engagement organization. The Crime Lab has also been actively involved in developing new strategies for M3's youth engagement platform. According to Smith, the Crime Lab has collected some promising data on the effectiveness of the Alliance's efforts. A 2017 effort which donated to the Chicago Police's Strategic Decision Support Centers has been found to have reduced shootings in Englewood by 24%. The Choose to Change program is also showing promising results, including a 45% reduction in violent crime arrests for youth participating in the program. Smith emphasized finally the Alliance's symbolic voice in addition to their monetary donations as the key to their influence in addressing these issues in Chicago. Following that up, I've got an article reported by Lee Harris concerning the University of Chicago Medical Center's credit rating and how it fell in December due to concerns about the increased debt load taken on by the hospital system. So Moody's Investors Service, a ratings agency, cut its main rating on the medical center by one notch from A1 to AA3. The agency also upgraded Ingalls Memorial, a recently acquired part of the UCMC system, from BAA2 to A1. UCMC and Ingalls merged in 2016. So lower credit ratings imply that an organization might not be able to repay its debt, making the investment in the organization a bigger gamble. Even though the credit rating fell in December, Moody's also switched UCMC's outlook from negative to stable, meaning that UCMC is unlikely to fall in the near future. Concerning the downgrade, Moody's said that the update applies to approximately $717 million in debt. An A1 rating for Rush University Medical Center and an A2 rating for Northwestern Memorial Healthcare were higher graded hospitals last year than other Chicago area hospitals. In a statement to the Maroon, the hospital said that Moody's assessment wouldn't affect its borrowing strategy, though. The University of Chicago Medical Center does not expect Moody's action to affect existing obligations or its debt strategy, nor will it impact patient care, the hospital said, adding that the medical center maintains AA- ratings from the Standard & Poor's and Fitch's rating agencies. Moody's has also analyzed the University of Chicago itself. Last week, Moody's affirmed the existence of an AA2 rating on approximately $4 billion in debt issued by the university. This does not include UCMC. A Moody's report explained that it was boosted by the university's impressive ranking, 
though the report reflects that this rating is because the University of Chicago's excellent strategic positioning anchored by global prominence as an elite research university with extremely strong undergraduate demand impacts its overall rating. East Chicago has pursued aggressive development recently, including Megadorm and property around the planned site of the Obama Presidential Center. East Chicago's A2 rating from Moody's set up behind other elite schools like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and Columbia. These are all considered prime investments. An analyst at Moody's told the Chronicle of Higher Education that maintaining top rankings can mean higher fixed costs, including big outlays on faculty and infrastructure last year. Mm. <laughs> mm. Interesting stuff from, <laughs> from Moody's. It's a lot of money. Um, to finish off the episode, Ram, you've got a story about a vigil that was held a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, in a story by Yuen Liu, uh, it was mentioned that on February 12th, a group of Chinese graduate students organized a vigil for Dr. Li Wenliang, a whistleblower who attempted to raise alarm for the COVID-19 outbreak in Wuhan. Over 100 people in the university and Hyde Park community were in attendance, and the vigil occurred at Bond Chapel. I was inspired to organize this after I saw news about the vigil in Central Park in New York City, explained a PhD student of comparative literature who wished to remain anonymous. I was angry and sad when I received the news of Dr. Lee's death, so I wanted to do something. Were there any responses to the vigil by professors? Sociology professor Ding Xin Zhao highlighted the vigil as an example of the tense relationship between the Chinese people and their government. Zhao argued that Li was not a whistleblower and that he had only warned his friends in private messages about the, about the COVID-19 outbreak. He became a hero because the people needed a hero amidst their fears of the coronavirus. Uh, Zhao further comments, The sad thing that our memorial of Li has reflected is the distrust between the people and the government. The Chinese people have never fully trusted in their government, and this distrust has now reached new, new heights. To actually round off the episode, congratulations to both the men's and women's basketball teams for their victory this past Saturday on Senior Day. Go Maroons. Yeah. Basketball. Anyways, that is it for this episode of the Maroon Weekly. As always, I'm Isaac. I'm Ron. I'm Ruth. Music was produced in part for the weekly by Aaron Sundin, Andrew Dietz, and Kenny Talbot La Vega. And thank you to the Logan Cage staff and the Logan Center for the Arts for the audio recording equipment and the recording area. And we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>